Hello everybody, welcome to Success Defined. I'm Ben McDonald. I'm in a fortunate situation where I am brother-in-law with Jesse Cole, also known as the Yellow Tux fan guy, man guy. Um, Jesse is an author. He owns a company that runs multiple baseball teams that are really more focused on entertainment and fan experience. And he's a speaker that has been asked to keynote all around the country and a few other things. So this yellow hat is just one of many that he wears. So Jesse, I appreciate you taking the time to sit down. Yeah, I'm pumped. And the first time an interview at my house. So thank you for coming. That's right. Here. That's right. Yeah, no, this will be good. <laughs> so we're going to be able to go in a lot of directions, but I want to set the tone and give them an idea of your thought process mm-hmm. through everything. So one of the things that you say in your book all the time is you talk about doing things differently, right? Whatever some people is doing, whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. So I want to jump first into college because right there you did something that nobody at your college had ever done before and it comes with what you were studying. Mm-hmm. So can you talk to us about that? Well, that, that was a mistake. I actually, I, I went to college to play baseball. That was my whole thing. Played baseball, went down to Wofford College, small school in South Carolina, was fortunate to get a scholarship there. And I realized that I was there for baseball, but you also got to get an education. So that was probably key to going to college. That's part of it. <laughs> and uh, the first few years, I was looking at all the majors and I was like, I'll just go into business. And I went into uh, the business econ major and you had to take two calculuses, microeconomics, macroeconomics, all these math courses which made no sense to me. Right. So I was like, I don't want to do this. And I was like, there was nothing that interested me. So then I talked to my advisors. I was like, I just want to learn something, you know, that I'm actually interested in, like something creative, something. And they're like, well, we have nothing for you. So I said, well, what is the humanities major? And they said, oh, no one's ever done that. I go, what do you mean? They're like, oh, was a wise major. And they're like, no one's ever done it. You have to create your own study. You have to create your own major. I go, that's perfect. And they, I go, what does it consist of? They said, you have to do a capstone project. You have to do a thesis. Okay. You have to do uh, you know, a whole speech in front of the, all the, cl- the class. And I said, all right, I'm intrigued. Can I study leadership? And they said, you won't learn anything. I go, I won't learn anything? And they said, well, you learn leadership on the job. You don't really learn it by studying. And I said, well, can I have an opportunity to do that? So they gave me the opportunity and I studied leadership. John Maxwell, I studied leadership in government, leadership in history, and I created my own major. So I studied it and uh, I did the capstone project and I learned a lot of theories, but the reality is I did not learn that much about leadership because they were right. You learn more on the job, but I was able to create my own path and that's how you're right. I started doing things dramatically different. I'm the only humanities leadership major in the history of Wofford College. Have you gone back and checked and see if you're still the only one? Or I, oh yes. Kind of following I, one of my advisors actually came to one of our games the other day, uh, last year, and they came, they're like, you're right, this is a circus. Only you would be doing this at your ballpark and you were the only one to do the major. So yeah, so full circle. So yeah, you're learning leadership more mm-hmm. on the job than you are studying, but studying leadership, you're able to look into all the different strategies, philosophies around mm-hmm. leadership. Were there some that resonated with you that you said, hey, this is what I know I want to do when I'm in a leadership position? Being open, no. I mean, I didn't understand it. You know, I understood the theories, but I wasn't in it. I didn't have employees I had to work for. I didn't have to sacrifice myself. I mean, the last 12 years of business, I've had to not pay myself. I've had to empty out my savings account. I've had to sell my house. I had to do all those to keep the business going. You don't do that when you're in college reading a book. So that was the challenge. So I understood like, all right, this makes sense. But when you feel it, that's when you really become a leader and that's what's happened over the last decade. Yeah. So when you're when you're studying it, you can see what they're talking about, but it's not going to resonate with you until you're on the line and you say, "Hey, I'm either paying this employee or I'm telling them to go home and I'm paying myself." Until you got to make a decision. And that's the that's where 
that's where you have to make those hard decisions. Yeah. And that's where leadership is really tested. What decisions did I need to make in college? When to finish my essay? When to write that paragraph? You know, whatever it is. But in, in, when you're actually going, you know, life or death for some of these people. I mean, it's it's their job. It's their livelihood. Yeah. For these people you're employing, those are decisions. That's when real leadership, uh, you know, and that's when the Simon Sinek books and some of the John Maxwell really came into play because I understood it then because I was going through it. Yep. And that's exactly what I was just going to ask. So once you were in the leadership positions, what were those big things that you had studied and really didn't matter that much? What were those things that then came back and you said, hey, now I know exactly what I studied five years ago, 10 years ago? Mm. Well, I mean, the biggest thing was purpose. You know, the Simon Sinek, it's not what you do, it's not how you do, it's why you do it. Okay. I didn't get that. You know, I was a college kid. How could I understand that? Right. But then when I understood we we're going into it, that what matters most to people, it's not necessarily the paycheck. It's not, it's not the money they're taking home. It's that they're making a difference. It's the impact that they're making every day. And that was the big game changer for me that, you know, we employ all millennials. You know, we have 20 people between 22 and 27 years old, and it's not about the paycheck. Are they coming in and actually feel part of something special? Yeah. And that's what we try to create. And I know everything yellow tucks, it's different, but there's a much bigger purpose in that. Yeah. And that's what we focus on. So you had mentioned the, uh, the word millennial, and I wanted to ask you about this. So let's just go into it right now. Uh, your culture around your business mm -hmm. and your company is is extremely unique. So mm -hmm. I want to go into that a little bit. But you hear all this negative stigma around millennials mm -hmm. and laziness and just being selfish and self-absorbed. And yet you run multi-million dollar company or baseball teams or a business that's multi-million yeah. dollar. And it is almost entirely made up of millennials as employees. Mm -hmm. So I want you to go into that a little bit of, of uh, almost... Why were you successful with millennials when so many other people struggle and complain about them? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, here are the statistics. People under 30 years old are leaving a job every 13 months. All right. It's staggering. Over 70% of people aren't engaged in the workplace. And it's because the employers are focusing on, on what their people can do for them and not what they can do for their people. We changed it. So to understand our, our you know, teams in our company, people join us literally right out of college. We start internships. And they're working while they're in college, and then we hire them full time. Eighty percent of our employees were interns and start at twenty-two years oh, that's old. It's amazing. It's crazy because we, we teach them the culture in the beginning, so then they want to be a part of it. So they come to us, and it's their first job. They don't know any better. They don't yeah. know what it's about. Yeah. And so they think that it might be, you know, about money. It might be other things. But we realize, no, we got to care for them like like we're their parents. And I think that's really what it is. Because you think about these millennials. Yeah, that's what they've had their whole life because they're just now getting out of college. 100%. Yeah. So when we come in, like, all right, how can we be a parent to them? And a parent isn't just giving them everything they want. It's not just titling, but it's giving them an opportunity to develop, to grow. Everyone wants progress in their life. They want momentum. So we do some things very, very unique. Everything we do is we think about the perfect experience for our employees first. And then that results in the perfect experience for our customers. Yeah. So yeah, the crazy things we do, our employees dictate their own salary. 22, 23 years old, that is crazy. But what we do is we empower them. We want to build an entrepreneur family. So you think about, it, I love entrepreneurs because you learn how to solve difficult problems. You learn how to succeed yeah. when you have challenges. If you can develop that in 22, 23, 24 year olds, you have the most successful company in the world. You're 20 years ahead of the game. 100%. So what we're doing is we're teaching them, all right, if this is your salary, what's your accountability? What are you going to do? How are you going to drive the business? And give them that opportunity. Give them ownership. Let them fail. Because to me, failure is discovery. And if you try to solve all the problems for them, they're not gonna, they're not gonna solve anything themselves. So, so it, it, you would use the analogy of being a parent. If you're doing everything for them, you're enabling. 
and then they became become the 40, 50 year yeah. old who isn't paying their own mortgage and things yeah. like that because they've been enabled their whole life. Well, think about the kids in school that if, if they fail a project, what happens? The mother calls the teacher and says, hey, can they do extra credit? Can they have the opportunity? We even to this day, part-time employees, we get calls from parents trying to Dude, get them really? a job. Oh, hey, my son would be like, have him call us. Right. Have him prove himself to us. So we start the culture by literally, I mean, we ask for a future resume from our people. We ask for a video cover letter. We have them put out themselves to us so we can get to know their personality. Are they going to fit in the culture? And then we take care of them. So to go on your thing with millennials, we go all in on investing in them in the sense of obviously they have the ownership, but we take care of them. I mean, we try to create that perfect experience. We do the cruises. We, you know, we give them all these special gifts, but we also try to do it based on their success and not just handing it to them. Yep. No, that makes sense. But you're also doing something at the beginning that is almost uh, self-selecting, right? You're having them do these things like, like videos and, and future resumes. And the people, whether it's millennials or any age, that doesn't mm -hmm. matter, they're not going to go through that and put in the effort or energy that would get them through the process. So you're self-selecting at the same time. 90% of people don't go through the process. So we get the 10% of people. And the third step to that is a fan's first essay. How do they fit our culture? Okay. So we're weeding all that out. So we know we got some people that'll put in the work. So yes, there is a stigma on millennials. You know, they're lazy. They don't put in the work. And you're right, there probably are a lot out there. But we, we, don't, we don't find those people because we make them go through the process. And you hire hard to manage easy. So we go through a long interview process, months. Yeah. And we actually have our entire staff interview everybody. So imagine someone's coming in 23, 24 years old and they're gonna get interviewed by 15 to 20 people. That's the process. Yep. So I know that's going more into culture, but that's how you stand out and be different. You think about that experience you provide for not only your customers, but also your employees. Yes. And how has that, I mean, this will be too cool. Yeah. How has that led into the culture that you have today? Mm -hmm. And also what was that initial vision for the culture for your company. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it's so easy to talk about in hindsight. Everyone's like, oh, this is what we've done. You know, when we started, we didn't think about culture. You know, we started, we thought about just results. We thought about, hey, let's, let's make this team successful. Let's make money. But I realized that didn't have that sustainability. You know, if you're focusing solely on the money, people don't care. And, and what, what's happened, I got pretty much hit in the face, figuratively, by an employee who said, Jesse, you say we don't talk about the money, but we still have sales reports. We still send best email chains, which we talk about the sales. She goes, Stop talking about the money. And so we, we sat and put the whole staff together. I was like, guys, you're right. It's about impact. It's not about revenue. So now we don't measure money. We measure impact. How many people are we impacting? Okay. So for instance, a business owner who's listening to this, you know what the value of your customers are. You know if they come in for a visit, they come in and do this, if they sell a house, whatever it is, the average value is this. Why focus on the dollars? Focus on how many people you can impact and how great that impact is. So we turn it at our ballparks and the backstory which we haven't shared, I mean, we've sold out 32 straight games. We have a wait list in the thousands, but we focus solely on how many people we're impacting. Is it 120,000 people at the stadium? Is it 20,000 people buying merchandise? And then we focus yeah. on that. People are driven by that because you want it. It's about people. It's not about money. Yeah. So I'm not trying to go on this whole, you know, parade here or the crusade, but that's what matters. Well, I'm going to ask you on the opposite side of that though. You're the business owner mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Impact is great, mm -hmm. but if you just give away all these free tickets and free food, you're going to be out of business real quick and now you're not impacting anybody. Correct. So how do you balance the, the impact in the moment and being as widespread as you possibly can 
while also making sure that you have a successful and profitable business. Yeah. I mean, again, we're not giving away free stuff. Yeah. We know we have a value. And I think that one thing people don't value themselves as much. And we, I mean, our tickets are $15, include all the food and everything. That's probably too low. And we probably are giving yeah, away pretty good deal. to an extent. But um, yeah, I think it's a balance, Ben. Uh, you know, obviously we have, we understand profit and we understand when we give each of our employees the ownership in their position, what is the impact and what is the result of that impact? Because then they're rewarded by that. So we have to break it down. I wish I could have an exact science right. on it, but I mean, it, it works out. We know that we want to be a certain amount of profit per year. So then we can therefore put it back in the business and put it back in our people. Yep. So at the end of the year, when they say they want a $10,000 raise, it's no big deal. Yeah. So, yep. Uh, what's your process for building that backwards? Because you said you've got this specific thing. Mm -hmm. Is that because you want to just impact the employees? Or is it because you say, hey, I have this vision for five years from now, how big our company is or what our company is mm -hmm. doing? Vision's a challenge because I think the more you actually think so far out, you don't focus on what you need to do day to day. Okay. So, you know, we have goals. We have a ceiling. We sold all our tickets. So we need to figure out how can we impact more people. And we talk about it. But what's now driving our business is that we're thinking about what needs to be happening in the next 90 days. Uh, Ton Herman is a great, great leader. And also there's the 12-week year. And it talks about what do you need to do the next 90 days to make the biggest difference on your company. So we break everything down. Um, you can't think three, five years out. I, I disagree with that. So you don't even start five years out anymore. No. You just say, what's the next three months look Correct. like for us? I back it up. I back it up. And then what do I need to do today to do that? You know, I mean, a great example, I talked to Jeff Hayden the other day, and he said, you know, I had a goal to do 100,000 push-ups this year. And I, that's a lot of push-ups. And he goes, it's 274 a day. So all I focused on was what do I do that day? 274 okay. push-ups. And he hit his goal. Yeah. You got to break it down. So for us, we know that as our season's coming up right now, what needs to happen to be the biggest impact, have the biggest show, create the most publicity, what needs to happen today to do that? Yeah. And that, that, that's how it is, because I think it's so hard to think three, five years. I mean, think about it. You know, 10 years ago, social media didn't even exist. Our whole marketing plan is on Facebook now, and 10 years ago, it didn't exist. So you yeah. said, what are you going to do in 10 years? We might be doing all our marketing on virtual reality. Yeah. So how can you really plan that? And so I, I, think, I think you need to dream. You need to dream big. You need to have vision. I mean, I have a goal to travel around the country with our teams and make this huge fans first impact to put on the biggest show. That's a big goal. But if I think about that every single day, and I don't have a plan to do, it doesn't matter. Yep. Okay. No, that, that makes sense. So you, I know you used to talk a lot about goals, dreams, vision, mm -hmm. things like mm -hmm. that. Was there a tipping point of when that changed and you said, okay, it doesn't make sense for me to look five years out anymore? hundred percent. When we sold out every game for the season. Okay. So you think about it and get context again, there's no team in the country at this level doing that in all minor league baseball. It's, yeah. it's not happening. Yeah. And so when we sell out every game, you know, you think about all the other teams, they're working every year to try to get a few more sellouts, to sell a few more tickets. We were so fortunate because of our fans first attitude in our show, we sold out every game in our second year. So you gotta change your plans then. If we had a five year plan, it's like, you know what, we're gonna sell every ticket every game. People would be like, that's crazy, no one else is doing that. Yeah. We did in two years. So after that happens, like, all right, we reached a ceiling, a glass ceiling, how are we gonna break through that? Mm -hmm. So that's when we try to change the model. When a company starts becoming more uh, focusing on maintaining and sustaining, that's when you start dying. Yeah. And that scares me. So when we got this point, it's like, all right, we're not having seven-figure growth. What are we going to do? And so after year two, now we're thinking much bigger. But now what can we do to add more value to our fans and impact more people? It's based on yeah. people again. Yeah. Well, and, and vice versa, if you had sat down and said, okay, year five, we want to sell out all of our tickets. 
you probably wouldn't have sold out all of your tickets in year two. Yeah. Because that was still three years away or so mm-hmm. four years away. So you didn't even... And you set the standard yeah. to get there. Yeah. So you may have hit it in year five, yeah. but you probably wouldn't have hit it in year two. Yeah. I love this. You know, you go back to school, you know, talk about high school and college. When you learn that you can write an essay the morning that it's due and get an A, you will do it every single time from that point on. As soon as you learn you can get success waiting till the last moment, you'll do it. So we, we're big in setting deadlines too. We set deadlines on when we're going to accomplish something. And what happens, it usually happens right around that deadline. So what do we do? We push the deadline up. You just make it more aggressive. Yeah, Steve Jobs was amazing at this. He would say, all right, here we're coming out with the iPhone, coming out with the iPad. And he knew that it would take maybe three months. He'd say, all right, it needs to be done in one month. And all his programmers, everyone would say, it can't be done. He goes, no, we're gonna get it done by then. And he pushed them to get things done that were almost impossible because he set a deadline up hot faster. That's what we're trying to do constantly. Are you still the one in the company that needs to set those deadlines or have you gotten your employees to where they're now in the same mentality of, hey, let's set these aggressive timelines and let's get things done sooner than we think is possible? Mm -hmm. You know, I think most companies, what they do is they focus so much on the bottom performers. You know, I was working with a company in Phoenix, Arizona and uh, on sales. It was a whole sales team. And all the managers kept doing was tell me about their bottom performers. You know, they don't come in time. They don't make enough calls. They don't do this. That's all they talked about. I go, guys, talk to me about your top performers. Oh, they're amazing. They're doing this. They're doing that. They're doing that. Focus on them. You know, focus on them all the time. And then the bottom performers are going to weed themselves out of the program and the top people are going to become better. So to answer your question, what I do is I focus on our top people. I talk to our president every single day. I talk to our vice president, our director of sales, our, our fans first people like all the time. And I get them to be the leaders so then they can keep building in throughout the organization. So I think that's a job as your top leader. Focus on those top people. Make them see the way you see. And make sure you bring in on people that believe what you believe. When you have people that believe the same way, you can be unstoppable. If you've got to convince people to believe that, for instance, for us, fans first matters, we're in trouble. Yeah. So we're all on the same page. So that's where I spend most of my time every day is talking to our top leaders. Yep. So then those top leaders, they're the ones that are on the same wavelength as you. And they're the ones that are creating the entire culture of we're going to get more aggressive. We're going to get things done sooner, better, mm-hmm. faster. Every day. Every day. And they're setting those deadlines with us. And we're saying, all right, what needs to happen? Yeah. And I think a great question to ask, what's it going to take? So for instance, say you're a $2 million company and you want to be a $5 million company. And now, like I said, we talk, talk about people, not dollars. But if you're talking about that, what's it going to take to be $5 million next year? And they'll be like, it can't happen. What, what would it take? Keep asking that question, what would it take? And you'll find a way. Yeah. You know? And another great example is, is what would kill the company? Lisa Bodell wrote this book and said, if you were to kill your company right now, what would have to happen? And say, so for, it, it, which, which is fascinating. Because basically it, becoming your own competitor. You're correct. becoming the Netflix yep. to Blockbuster. Blockbuster. Yes, yeah. exactly. Amazon to the Kmart's yeah, and the Sears yeah. and all that. What kills your company? And once you start thinking that, you start thinking about how to innovate. And so that's what we do a lot. And we talk about ideas or currency, but implementation will make you rich. We're constantly talking about ideas that will bring the company further. Okay. So... You talk a ton about uh, reaching goals, but not in a normal way mm-hmm. people think of reaching goals. So I want to go way back to when you first were general manager of mm-hmm. a baseball team. Okay, You wanted to put on this black tux and you wanted the, the P.T. Barnum type mm-hmm. style, right? You're going to go around through the crowd in a tux. Mm-hmm. The black tux was too hot. Jesse then went, took the yellow tux. Bright yellow. Yep, exactly. Stands out. Everybody can mm-hmm. find you in the crowd. It's great. But... When you put that yellow tux on, was there a vision for you or a goal for you of, hey, this is something that I can turn into a personal brand down the road? Or was it literally just something in the moment of you wanting to stand out? No, I never thought of a big personal brand. Ever. Ever. Okay. You know, it was just a small bet. 
you know, I, I think that you keep trying new things and we talk about this in the book, but it's what small bets can you do that are either fun, that are part of your brand that you enjoy. And I said, hey, we're about the show. Our players do choreographed dances, grandma beauty pageants, we're pieing people in the stands, all that. Um, you know, we give away Porta Johns, all the craziness. <clears throat> I can't just be in a regular polo. That makes, that doesn't make sense. So let's actually add to the fun. And I think that's very important for business owners. You need to embody the, the brand. Who are you guys trying to be? As an mm -hmm. owner, if you're trying to be something and you're dressing like this or you're acting like this, you got to clash. It isn't going to work. This fits our brand okay. because we're a circus, we're a show. Yeah. So I said, all right, let's just do this. But what's happened because of it, I mean, literally weeks after I started putting on, he called, can I talk to the guy in the yellow tux? I mean, I don't even have a name then to a lot of people, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I'm the yellow tux guy. But whatever, that's actually from a branding standpoint. So now it's taken off. And you know, I believe that if you really want to get your message across to people, you have to be able to create attention. And it's so tough for people to talk about. They don't want to talk about again. I'm an introvert. I'm shy. I'm shy. Well, you know what? You're holding yourself back. It's a tough thing for people to talk about, but you need to be able to promote yourself a little bit. And if you're self-promoting in a way that you're comfortable with, that's how you can grow your brand and grow your business. So I want to get a little more practical on that yeah. because pretty easy for somebody yes. who's yep. eccentric, mm -hmm. you're outgoing, yep. you can walk into any place and you're going to strike up a conversation mm -hmm. with strangers, mm -hmm. right? That's that's you, that's yep. your personality. Um, I'm probably in between yes. a little bit yep. and then you get the people that are the actual introverts. Mm -hmm. So how can they push themselves in a comfortable way to be able to draw attention to themselves? Mm. Well, again, it's that balance, man, because you got to be authentic. If someone is the shyest person in the world and tell them to get on a microphone and start talking to people, it's not going to go well. But, you know, we talk about this all the time. you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable and you need to push yourself out of your comfort zone because if you stay that shy person always, you're not growing. You're not growing and, and, and you're, you're, not, you're not becoming anything that you should be. I, you know, uh, I think sometimes you need to think about who's that person that you want to be and then you need to become that person. So if you think about this from a standpoint of someone that's here, it's like, oh, I want this business to be here. Well, how are you going to do that if you're the person that's not talking about your brand? Yeah. So I think there's ways to do it. I gave a great example. It's like, you know, if you want to promote yourself, there's a way to promote yourself in a tactful way. For instance, um, if you wrote a book and you don't like to promote yourself, do reviews of the week. Talk about someone giving you a review. Give them a shout Somebody out. Somebody else talking about you. But you're telling your story in a way like that. You know, Give shout outs to other people that are also promoting you. Okay. So it's, there's, there's practical ways you can do it. With your business, you know, I'm very tactful on trying to get other people to tell our story. I, at the beginning, I wasn't always over the top. I was still a 23-year-old trying to figure it out. But I talked to every media outlet I could. You, know, I need to think, you need to think like a reporter. If you're in a business, why would people talk about you? Are you doing the same things as everyone else? then there's no story there. There's no reason for people Who to cares? be paying attention. Who cares? So think like a reporter. You're that introvert and you want your business to be successful. Well, what are you doing that's making your business successful? And why isn't that story being told? Yeah. Find a way to think like a reporter and get the story told. And again, if, if you're so shy about it, hire someone that can be a spokesperson that believes what you believe and have them get out there. You know, I think like accountants and lawyers, they should have mascots. I think that would be so ridiculous to have mascots that are out there being fun because you know what? We need more fun. We need more characters out there. And maybe that or the lawyer's like, I got to be professional. Well, get someone else that can be that part of your brand and show that you guys are fun. Yeah. Yep. So I want to go a couple of ways with what you said. So the first one is in the same sentence, I think you would mention the word authenticity mm -hmm. and then you followed it up with saying, figure out who you want to be mm -hmm. and then just become, become that person. person. But when you're starting that, that's not authenticity, mm -hmm. right? You're literally acting as somebody else yes. 
to help yourself get there. Mm -hmm. So where's that? Where's the bridge to those two? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I mean, I have become someone more, you know, you amplify yourself. I think that's something that you try to do and it's, you know, amplify what you're the best at, but you're still constantly evolving and constantly growing. Um, so I think there's a tough bridge bend and that's a tough question to answer because I can just see the example of, of where I've Yeah, went. it's gonna be different for every situation. Correct. I know that I am much more over the top and amplified now mm -hmm. than I ever was because I've slowly made that bridge and said, you know what? When I'm like this, when I'm speaking in front of a group of 200 people and I'm the yellow mm -hmm. tux guy, I'll have a much bigger impact that way yeah. as opposed to someone just being you know, so you you said it was hard to, to answer, but you really answered it right there. It's let me, the bridge is whatever you want to be, mm -hmm. have that just be a better version of what you mm -hmm. like of yourself right now. Mm -hmm. So for you, you were outgoing, mm -hmm. you were comfortable doing that, but you became a better version mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a complete introvert then standing in the middle of a baseball field on a microphone trying to entertain I'm because just, that's not them. Mm -hmm. Every entrepreneur should ask one question and put it for themselves and put it for their business. What makes you stand out? And if they look at themselves, what makes you stand out? And then look at their business, what makes their business stand out? Most people struggle to answer that question. You know what they say? They say, oh, we're a little better at this. We're a little better at this. That doesn't make you stand out if you're a little better right. at that. Right. So once you ask that question, and if you don't have a good answer, you better figure out an answer and then go all in on going yeah. there. So that's kind of what we started. I realized that we could be the only baseball team like a circus with dancing players and a break dancing first base coach. I realized we could be the only person. I realized I could be the only person in a yellow tux that is talking about being different and standing out. Mm -hmm. So I'm going all in on that because I'm not competing. Right. Everyone else is competing every day. Yeah. And you got to realize this. Right now, you're competing with everyone regardless. We're competing with Amazon on service. We're competing with Disney and Apple. Yeah. So you got to find something that makes you stand it's out. It's not just your industry. Correct. Um, Mike McCullowitz in uh, yep. The Pumpkin Plan yes. says basically whatever you want to do, mm -hmm. put est at the end of it. Mm. Right? You want to be the cleanest. Yep. You want to be the friendliest. Yes. Whatever that is, you need to be the absolute best at what you want to stand out for. 100%. And that's exactly what you exactly. just said. Exactly. Exactly. perfect. Yeah. So, so I want to go back to the Yellow Tux because you mm -hmm. said didn't have this vision for personal brand. But obviously that evolved. And what really intrigues me about you is that evolution of coming through, building one thing on top of another on top of mm -hmm. another. Uh, is there a thought process there or is it literally you get up every once in a while and say, okay, what's the next step? And you look back and say, what can I build off of? I just start. You know, I mean, September 18th, 2017. Okay. That was the day that I said, you know what? I'm going to start putting something out there every day. And here's the truth, Ben. I wrote 153 blogs before I posted one. I was holding myself back because I was scared of what people think. And then on September 18th, I put out the first one. And what I do the next day? I put it on another one. And then I put it on another one. And then I started doing videos because I talked to someone. And again, you talk to people that you, don't just talk to coaches, talk to pros. I think that's a great advice. Talk to people who've already done it, not people that are telling you how to do it. Right, so right. I talked to some of the best influencers on LinkedIn and what are they doing? You know, hey Jesse, you gotta be a video man. You're the yellow tux guy, you can't just write. So put out videos. Ben, my videos were terrible when they first came out. I was like, what am I doing, all right? Yeah. Filming yourself and talking to a phone is not the <laughs> easiest thing to do. But what I started doing it over and over again. And so now, you know, we're going into April, May, June. Every single day, I've posted one thing. Yep. And I learned from it. And I've learned that when I ask questions, you know, like, how do, you, how do you feel about this? And I get engagement. That gets tons of response. So I just try things. So to answer your question, I don't know where it's going to be next year or the year after. But I know every day, I'm going to put something out there and learn from it. Yep.
And that's the same thing with every business. What are you doing every day that's teaching you something and that's pushing you forward? Progress is everything. I feel progress every day because I put something out there and I get immediate feedback. What are you doing to get feedback every day? And I think people don't do that a lot. They're like, oh, I'm hoping for better results. Well, how do you know if you're getting better results if you're not trying and putting yourself out there? I don't know, it fires me up because I held myself back and so many people are like, I'm gonna start a podcast next year. I go, start next week. They're like, well, I don't have this, I don't have that. Just start. It's gonna suck in the beginning. It'll be terrible, <laughs> all right? But you know what? Eventually it'll be good and regardless, everyone you'll learn from. Sorry, I get, I get, I get fired up about no, that. No, it's, it's great. <laughs> and, and even everyone that I'm recording mm -hmm. for this, mm -hmm. I'm learning from the one prior of, here's something I did that I don't wanna do next time mm -hmm. or here's something I did that I loved and just did accidentally. Yeah. So I'm gonna make sure I do it every time. Yeah. And, and you know what? Do things for yourself. This is a really weird thing to say because it's like focus on others. Do it for yourself. You know, I, I have a podcast business done differently. Do I focus on how many downloads I get? I don't focus on the listeners. I know every single time I'm having an amazing conversation with an unbelievably successful person. Yeah. I'm learning from them, all right? And so I'm able to apply what they're doing. And it's just a great learning experience, the whole thing. I'm doing it for myself. Same thing in the mornings. You know, I think people need to focus on themselves. Before you start focusing on others, you gotta get yourself in a good place. And that's what I do every day. I, I go for a run, I read, I write every day. So I'm in a great place, I've won the day. So same thing, you can't be great for others until you're great for yourself. Can we dig in deeper to your, your morning yeah. routine? Because I know that's something that is very important to you. You're religious about it. Mm -hmm. So what are those things that when you get to the end of your morning routine that you know, hey, no matter what else happens the rest of the day, mm -hmm. I've already succeeded. 100%. And I, I got to give the shout out to Hal Elrod, Miracle yeah. Morning. When I, Miracle Morning, when I first read that, I was like, you know what? I'm not starting my day on purpose. So many people, if, if you're listening, you have your phone next to your bed. You're starting off in a bad spot, all right? Because what most people do is they go through their phone before they go to bed, which is not good thoughts. Then they wake up, they grab their phone, they focus on social media, emails. They're focused on someone else's agenda. So I start every day, my phone's nowhere near my bedroom. I get up, the first thing I do is I actually write. So I write down because you're your most creative right when you wake up. There's something called alpha waves. And a great story about Keith Richards, uh, you know, the guitarist. Yeah, yeah. He, he wrote, I, I can't get no satisfaction. He was actually in a drunken stupor, but he passed out and he woke up and just started playing the song. And that's how he recorded, uh, you know, <laughs> I can't get no satisfaction, one of the most successful songs ever. Um, you're your most creative when you first wake up. So I write, you know, you know, when you wake up, you forget ideas a lot. I start yeah. writing and then I write 10 ideas every day just to try to work that idea muscle. Then after that, I read and I walk and read. I actually walk around the house. It's very weird. People, I'm walking and I'm reading. Um, and I finish that and I go for a run. I get exercise and I'm listening to a podcast. And so all that happens. And then the final step, and this is very detailed. The final step is I write a thank you letter because you, you need to use that gratitude muscle. After that, I'm good. Now, it's, it's amazing, but now things are going to change. As you know, you know expecting you know, my first, first child in, in about a month. And I've changed my perspective now that I gotta focus on myself. I wanna get up at five o'clock, do that. But then the next hour is gonna be with my family. And that's gonna be really important. That's tough, I'm an entrepreneur that I can do that. Yeah. Um, but I'm gonna spend the next hour. The other day I went for a walk with Emily in the morning and she came up and said, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. I have opportunity to connect. And when you have that from your, your business sense, your personal, but also have your family, yeah. I can't imagine a better start to the day. So that's how it's gonna change. Yep. So I'm gonna, same thing, I wanna go a couple different directions. <laughs> right. So uh, the first one is, you've got, you talked about writing, writing mm -hmm. down, being mm -hmm. creative. You've got your list of 10. Mm -hmm. uh, can you share that with everybody listening? Yeah, so again, you mentioned uh, James Altucher in the pre-interview. Yeah. You know, he, he talked about writing down 10 ideas a day and I was like, 
man, that's a lot of ideas. Cool. That's hard. Ten ideas. But I was like, everyone considers me an idea guy. If I can, if anybody can do it, I can. So I started doing it about two months ago, and I literally write ten unique ideas. And the way I've changed it, it used to be ten ideas on anything. Now I theme my ideas. So I'll say like, all right, I want to write ten ideas about our culture. I want to write ten ideas about our stadium experience. Ten ideas about Yellow Tux videos. And I and I theme it, and I talk, okay. start and I start writing those. Makes 10 it ideas. a little easier than just an arbitrary. 10 ideas. It frames everything. I mean, with our teams in the Savannah Bananas, we've done hundreds of videos. A lot of them have gone viral. And it's so tough for our group to think of how to do a one-off. But I say, guys, let's think of a theme. Let's do Bananas Office videos. Let's do music videos. As soon as we think of a theme in a series, the creativity comes. So I theme out my ideas every day. And uh, they come pretty quickly. And some of them are ridiculous. But what happens is I go through, I go through them. And so I think people need to, if they want to get better, they need to work the muscle. If you're, if you're working out, you do CrossFit. All right. Every day you have different workouts that are working on certain muscles, certain areas to get better. All right. Same thing with, oh, I can't come up with ideas. I'm not creative. Start writing 10 ideas a day. I can't do it. Just start and don't stop until you get those 10 ideas. Then all of a sudden a month in, you're like, this is easy. It's training a muscle, but it starts every day. I didn't have an idea. You know, think about that. 10 ideas times 365, my math, that's 3,600 ideas this year. All right. I didn't say I'm going to write 3,600 ideas. That's crazy. How are you going to write those in? But I did 10 a day. So I, I, I know it gets, it's just, you got to look at everything like training a muscle. It's like brushing your teeth every day. Yeah. 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 Same thing. uh, I heard somewhere, uh, Ben Bergeron, big CrossFit coach. Mm -hmm. um, He was saying, look at flossing. So say you're going to floss one tooth. Mm -hmm. You're not going to stop there. Yeah. But if that's all you have to do, that's a really low ceiling. Mm -hmm. And and you just, okay, you do that one and that gets you in the habit of doing this over and over. You go to the second one. Yep. So what was today's theme? For yeah. your time. Today's theme was actually I did a behind the scenes stadium tours. So I actually wrote and I get really I get really niche on this one. I said, what what could we do to create the most unique stadium tours at our ballpark? So I started writing down all these unique experiences that we could do, the behind the scenes, the, the locker room, get the play, get the people on the field. How can we have like a unique speakeasy inside the ballpark? So I started thinking about tailoring it. Um, but it's very niche. Like yesterday was solely on culture, you know, how to create the culture with the players. Yeah. And so it's every day it's different. And so so my takeaway from that is those 10 ideas, they're not these multi-million dollar ideas of creating some massive thing. They're just, how can I make something incrementally better? Yeah, I niche down on everything. Yeah. Because I look at, again, I said it earlier, but ideas are currency, but implementation will make you rich. So I make sure I think about these ideas, that they are currency, but how are we going to implement them? Yeah. And so I think for every entrepreneur out there and every business owner, you need to have implementers as well. I'm very strategic. I know I listened to a great podcast today about culture. So who did I send it to? Our three biggest implementers and our three leaders. Because I know they will put that in play. Yeah. I think that's really important to build a great team. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's probably also you thinking about Mm -hmm. it that way is also probably why you have changed the way you look at goals. Mm -hmm. Because goals are fantastic Mm -hmm. and then they're just written down and then two months later you forgot about them and you start writing down goals again, yeah, right? But instead, you're focused so much on the impact and the implementation mm-hmm. that it's doing in the moment. Mm-hmm. It's not worried about what the outcome is going to be. 100%, yeah. yeah. It's, it, it's those daily things that can be implemented. What daily can you do? And then all of a sudden, you look at the end of the week, it's like, wow, we, got to, we accomplished a lot. Yeah. Even people look at the monthly goals. Even monthly goals sometimes are too long because it's like, what are you doing today? If you have a monthly goal to hit 20,000, 50, whatever it is, and your first week, you're like, oh, we got three more weeks. You're in trouble. Yep. What do you need to do every day to hit that goal? Yeah, yeah. I've I've taken a uh, a page out of your book from that, and everything that Which I page? do. Which uh, page? Seventy three. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I everything is based weekly because mm-hmm. you can get caught up in day to day and not do something that mm-hmm. you want to do, but you've got enough time in the week to get everything done that you want to get done. Hundred percent. So I, I focus on what's most important to me, and I say, here's the things mm-hmm. I want to get done in the week, and it makes it really easy because mm-hmm. you can check it off when you get something done on Monday. Mm-hmm. And, and and so it's, and how do you get ahead too? So a lot of times I'll do Sunday quick because I don't I know family time is important, but I'll put a Sunday plan of attack. What am I going to do for this rest of this week? What am I going to accomplish? And by getting that done on Sunday, I'm going in Monday on purpose, not behind. Yeah. Saying, all right, what do I need to do today? I'm already ahead. Yep. Yep. No, exactly. That's perfect. And I found some sort of reward at mm-hmm. the end. Uh, it helps also. Do you do something for yourself? Of- what do you do? What are these rewards? I'm intrigued. So for me, it's uh, a couple things. First off, being able to do work out of the office okay. uh, is a big thing for me. I love going to a, a park or a lake or something cool. to just get some stuff done. And then at the end of the week, my Friday afternoon is blocked off where I have no appointments, no activities. Nice. And if I finish everything before noon on Friday, I go home and spend the afternoon with my family. Awesome. And and just being able to do that and get home, I've got a two-year-old daughter, mm-hmm. being able to see her and spend time with her, it, it gives you a little extra motivation to do that. And then vice versa, if I don't get things done... I miss out on that time. Yeah. So it uh, it it allows me to um, give myself just a little reward and do something that's important to me. That that's brilliant. See, for me, it's been I love what we're doing so much. The reward is being around our people. Yeah. So it's I, I know that sounds crazy, but it's like I don't think about oh mm-hmm. I get to go home. Like when I go home, you know, again it's going to change with the family and everything. I was just going to say that'll change really <laughs> soon for you. Yeah. But I mean, I love being around our people. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the great thing you just mentioned is about creating space. Um, you know, Bill Bill Gates said it said it best when he gives himself think weeks back when he was literally yeah. to get away from the office. Yeah. Same thing with Google. You know, you go from meeting to meeting to meeting. At the end of the day, you don't even think it. you're in the business too much. You create some space for yourself, whether you go to a park, or you go out of the office. And that's yeah. so key. A great book, uh, Willpower Doesn't Work by Benjamin Hardy. Yep. He talks about change your environment, change your life. And you need to get yourself in very unique environments, not just the same work over and over yeah. again. I think, I think that's so important. Yeah. And it's his... It's changed my business and it's changed how my day-to-day and week-to-week is. Yeah. Because when you're in the same environment every single day, it gets stagnant. Mm, uh, especially, you've got a lot going on and yours, with me, I'm, I'm in an office, really not much going on besides client appointment, client appointment, client phone calls. It can get stale. Uh, talking thing. Yeah, it gets very stagnant, very stale. And also, 16% of, of ideas come from in the work, workplace. 16% of the great ideas come from the workplace. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't happen. You know, you're in that work kind of constrained culture. Mm-hmm. Get out. Yep. It's like, you know, I was just in LA this past week. The amount of ideas that I got, you know, I went to In-N-Out Burger and I saw that experience. You know, I went to the Magic Castle Hotel, one of the top rated. I got to these new, and all of a sudden my creativity went here because you got to those other experiences. And I invested in myself to go there and be on a show and everything else. Right. But you need to get out of where you are always. And they say, oh, I'll drive to work a di- different way. That doesn't necessarily do it, all right? right? But get into a new environment. Howard Schultz came up with Starbucks by going to Italy and right. seeing how the baristas, the experience was. Yes. But everyone's like, I just go to work nine to five. Well, then you're gonna get the nine to five results. Yep, yeah. yep, 100%. I, so you've talked a little bit about uh, presence, right? Mm-hmm. Being in the moment, being in the present. Mm-hmm. That's obviously extremely important to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did that evolve in your life? I'm terrible at it still. I, you know, I mean, I'm honest. Like, I, it's all relative. Yes, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm self-aware that I still need a ways to go. I'm, my mind is constantly thinking. But I'll tell you, you know, human connection means so much. And our company, fans first. Everything we try to think about is what's the perfect experience for our employees and our customers. And it starts with being present. You know, the reality is, I think so many people 
are, you know, they have their phone, they're getting vibrates, they're doing this, they're doing that, they're not focusing. I heard Neen James, who's an attention expert about paying attention, said, listen with your eyes. You know, and I just think, you know, you've got to be present in the moment, really pay attention and be there. Don't think about what you're going to say. Yeah. So I wish the first step of anything is being self-aware. And I'm self-aware that I need to be better because when I'm with people and I can tell that they're not present in the moment, they're not giving me their best, that bothers me. So I can only think about what I'm doing if I'm not giving people their best. Yeah. And you never know. I mean, people look up to people for different reasons. I mean, what you're doing is unbelievable. What people out there, the people you're talking to, they're, they're very successful. Someone right. that reaches out to you. I mean, when I get reached out to from a kid that's uh, you know, just getting into the baseball industry, the sports industry, you know, immediately I'll say, how can I help? When do you want to talk? And I'll give my 30 minutes to them because I know that can make an impact and make a difference. And I wish I had that when I was younger. Right. So, but, but for you, it's giving a true 30 minutes. Oh, yeah. It's not, hey, I'll, I'll talk with you for 30 minutes. Yeah. And in the back of your mind, you're going through everything that needs to happen when you get done yeah. with the meeting. Yeah. And, and you're, you're, that's just another way that you're impacting people. 100%. So can we build off that because you've now inadvertently built a personal brand, mm -hmm. right? You put the yellow tux on three weeks later, mm -hmm. you're the yellow tux guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, so you have a book out, you have a mm -hmm. podcast mm -hmm. out, you're going around speaking mm -hmm. all around the country mm -hmm. now. That's another form of impact. So can you talk a little bit about why just impact in general became your priority and then the evolution of, of this personal brand of yours? Well, it goes, it goes back to my why. It goes back to not what you do, it's not how you do it, it's why you do it. Um, I feel more purpose when I'm making an impact. When I'm speaking in front of a group, and people come up to me and say, you have no idea how much that inspired me. When I'm speaking and I see people crying, which is kind of a weird thing to be looking for, I know that I've connected emotionally with them. Okay. And so that drives me because, you know, when you go back throughout your whole life and you look back, and I think that was the biggest surprise in the book was that I opened with my <laughs> obituary. Right. I mean, it's like right. this crazy yellow touch guy <laughs> is starting by killing himself. Like what is happening? <laughs> um, but what matters more, you know, when you look back and, and the impact you're having on people and the difference you make in people's lives, so for me, that, that's, that's number one. So I look at my day and what can I do to make an impact on people's life? Because then, then the money will take care of itself. So one of the reasons you mentioned, I mean, we talked about I put something out every single day. Right. I put something out every single day that if that inspires one person, that makes impact, I'm doing my job. Yep. And then the rest of the day, how can I focus on a one-on-one -on -one connection? So I don't know if I'm really answering your question, but that's my driver. Well, no. So let's yeah. build off of that. So you then discovered mm -hmm. one way or another mm -hmm. that videos, podcasts, mm -hmm. book, all these things, that's another way that you can impact people. Mm -hmm. um, whereas I think at first it was, what can I impact with my teams, mm -hmm. right? And so was there a point where you said, I need to be doing content because now it's a more efficient way to reach more people or, or what was the motivation for that? I, I wish I could say, hey, here was the direct motivation. Here's what I've learned. The more you teach, the more you learn. So the more I'm out coaching, talking, whatever, the more I'm learning. One of the things, the biggest driver, everyone says, you know, how are you successful? It's, it's not just hunger, it's the constant curiosity. So every day I'm curious and I'm asking questions and I'm learning. Yeah. And so to talk about, if you really wanna go into how I built this and what, how I'm doing this, it's just because I'm so curious and, and I'm intrigued and I wanna put out there that adds to the impact. So I just keep doing it and it keeps compounding and compounding on each other. Um, you know, there's no formula. I, I wish there could be a formula. I love what I do every day. Because I try to look at the end of the day, did I make an impact? Did I inspire someone? Right. And if I say yes, then I'm, I'm achieving my purpose. Yeah, it's an infinite goal. And, and if you're passionate about it, yeah. then that helps. That makes it easy for motivation. You get mm -hmm. up every morning and you're excited because you have another opportunity to go impact some new person. 
but I love what you said of the more you teach, the more you learn. Mm-hmm. So what's, give me one or two takeaways or stories of when you've gone and worked with a company or you've gone and done a speech and you walked away and said, had I not done this speech or had I not worked with this company, I wouldn't have learned that lesson. Mm. Most powerful moment, uh, I was speaking to a group of entrepreneurs and I love speaking to entrepreneurs because you know they take so much ownership. You know, it's, so I knew when I was speaking, you could tell them they were they, their mind was working. And I was talking about the fan's first experience. And basically what it is, is what is the perfect experience from the customer from the first time they see your brand till after they experience you? And how do you keep that going? And I was telling stories about, you know, all the things that we do that are over the top. But really, you know, that's it. You know, when people buy from us, you know, we, we thank every single person with a thank you call. I mean, how many times do you buy tickets to a concert and get a thank you call? It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. So we map the whole journey. And then, you know, make sure when people leave our ballpark, our staff's out there thanking them and hugging them and taking selfies. I mean, how many times do you leave a restaurant and someone actually thanks you when you leave? It very rarely if happens. If somebody's there, if someone's say, in it, yeah. have a good night. It's such an easy step. So we map this out and we went over the top and we talk about some of the banana nanas and the senior citizen dance team and all that. And I saw one entrepreneur in the back just like furiously taking notes. And I was like, is he doing something else or is he focusing yeah. on this speech? <laughs> He's just drawing. And, and uh, so I finished the speech and I saw him. He was just kind of spinning, like kind of looking out and just looking. Out. I was like, and he came up to me. He goes, you have no idea how much impact that speech made. I go, really? He goes, we're putting this into our, our company. I was like, all right, great. You know, again, you hope that they'll do it. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm leaving. I see him speaking with one of his, his COO and they're just talking over and over again. So two months later, I get a phone call from the person who put on the whole entrepreneur. He said, Jesse, I want you to come back. Uh, Chris Dalzell is giving a speech. I go, Chris, the, the entrepreneur, you know, he's got the home building company. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, you're going to enjoy the speech. So I come back and this time I'm the one taking pages of notes. What he did was he brought his whole staff together and, and spouses, everybody, their whole family had a dinner and talked about how do they make the home building experience the best home building experience okay. in the world. Yeah. And you think about it, you buy a home, you pay for it, and then you get home built. Right. So they went through it. They came up with crazy ideas like fireworks and mariachi bands and all these things, which it was just crazy. But they said, how do they narrow it down? So they created a step process to create the best experience for a person buying a home building, including when they bought, the, the people would get sent a video with them, like a rap video, with throwing money around, dressed in costumes, signing, and then they'd get a gift with literally an iPad, when you're buying a home, an iPad, okay. Yeti cooler, t-shirts, everything. Then they'd get a little quick survey asking what their favorite meals are, their favorite snacks, and they would start sending these throughout the home building process. Then they'd do videos while they're pouring the concrete, showing the process. Then I'll never forget, he heard it was someone's anniversary. And what he did was he picked them up in a, a limo, brought them to the house, which wasn't yet even framed. It just had the frame. It was barely up. And he had a private dinner for them inside their new, soon to be, new right, home. Soon to be. <laughs> with lights, candles, and their favorite meal sitting. The picture is great. Just had the wood frames in there. And then at the end of the process, they have a ribbon cutting, they have a red carpet, they have a champagne toast. And even after they buy the house, they continue to give them their favorite coffees, their favorite snacks. Mm -hmm. He said, what's happened to our staff is we've never been more passionate and in love with what we do. We don't have to advertise anymore. We don't have to market anymore. Everyone is talking about us. So he gave that speech and I sat there and I was like, wow, yeah. you put into play what we did. And so what did I do after I heard that speech? <clears throat> I went back to the office. I brought the whole staff together. And I said, guys, I want to tell you what I just witnessed. And watching our whole staff feel that purpose it was amazing. Yep. So you talk about impact. Not only did they feel an impact, did I feel an impact to the entrepreneurs, did our staff feel an impact. Now everyone who's doing business with them is feeling impact. For the rest of that business's career. From one talk. Yeah. So that is the full circle that when you think about it. And again, what did it go down to? Implementation. They implemented it. And then what I made sure, I shared it. So you got to share your story. Go back into self-promoting. Mm -hmm. You got to promote yourself. Yeah. 
and also implement. So that is the full circle of what I was saying. And there, uh, now every day, I want to try to work with people to do that same thing so I can feel it again, so I can share it with our people again and see the impact of that. Yep, yep. And, and so he took everything you did and implemented it, but mm -hmm. implemented it in their way of what Correct. fit them. Goes back to self-awareness and knowing mm -hmm. who they are. But then another thing that you had said about his story is the they threw out fireworks and mariachi bands, all these different ideas. But it goes back to what you said 30 minutes ago of let's just destroy the barriers mm -hmm. and say what are all the possible options. Yes. And then we can narrow it into reality. Yes. But if you don't, if you just start within reality, then you're missing out on all the creativity. Yeah. And and you, I know you do that a lot with your business, <laughs> but it's interesting to see somebody that heard you speak for an hour or however long mm -hmm. the speech was be able to take that back and, and apply it in oh, such yeah. a meaningful way. Yeah. I think the great thing you said is it, it's okay to think crazy once in a while. Obviously, I mean, we haven't gone into the crazy things that we've done, but I mean, we brought in pigs to the office right. to do videos. I mean, we offered Obama an internship. We think crazy and then back it up and see where we could go. Because again, people are going to remember the crazy stories. And I always think about like legacy in a sense. You know, what are people going to talk about? What's your story? Is it just going into the office every day doing the same things or some things that are a little ridiculous? And, you know, we just brought in a director of fun from the cruise industry, the top cruise director for right. Norwegian. And every day he tests me. He's like, Jesse, I'm thinking about doing this. I'm like, that is beyond wild. Like, and I'm like, all right, let's figure out how we can do that. But again, we're going to think back in three years. You know, we did something like, wow, you know what? Your, your life is made up of a bunch of moments and a bunch of stories. Mm -hmm. Do people want to tell your story? Do you want to tell your story? And if you don't even want to tell your story, if people ask you, what do you do? And you're like, oh, I do this, I do this. And you want to change the subject? You need to change your life. I was going to say, you're probably not doing what you should be doing. Correct. And you think about it as a grandparent and your grandkids want to listen to what you said and your stories. Make sure your stories are worth telling. So that's something that I think about every day. What's our story? Well, that's also probably why you started the book with the obituary. <laughs> yeah. Because you said, hey, if I start here, mm -hmm. then I know that I'm living the life where it's going to be a story at the end. Correct. And I want to tell this every yeah. day. And that's why I said I want to inspire millions of people to stand out, be different, and create the path for their life, create their passion. And if that happens, then what happens is I'm creating millions of other stories that continue to be told. Yeah. So that's what's driving me. I mean, that's the purpose. So I want to, this is called success defined. <laughs> so I want to go into your definition of success a little bit. Um, but you're in a unique spot because being so close to being a father mm -hmm. for the first time um, having gone through that a couple of years yeah. ago and got the second on the way, I obviously understand the impact of it. So success changes. 100% yeah. it does. Your priorities change. Yeah. Everything does. So what, let's start with just the basic of it. What does success mean to you today? You know, I always try to uh, simplify everything. You know, I have a whole chapter, simplify, you know. So I think it's very easy to go this whole elaborate picture of what success is. But if I were to define it simply, it would be freedom and, and fulfillment. So freedom, to be able to do what I want, when I want, with the people I want. And then fulfillment, to do something that really brings joy, happiness, and purpose to me. So like you said, that's going to continue to change. Right now, I have amazing freedom in my life. You know, I can go out and fly somewhere to do a show. I can go give a speech here. I don't have to be in the office nine to five. I'm able to spend time with the people I want. You know, that's amazing, amazing freedom. So I feel like I have success there. The fulfillment, I'm getting great joy and happiness and purpose. And that is always going to change. But if you understand, are you doing things that are giving you freedom and fulfillment, you will have a very successful life. Yeah, no, I love it. Now, I want to jump back a little bit before, uh, before family, before you knew that you guys were expecting. 
was that vision of success different in your life than what it is today? Yeah. Over the last year, it's changed so much as I've been out in speaking, writing, talking to more people. When you surround yourself with very successful, amazing people, you get much better perspective. And I think a lot of people, they don't invest in themselves to be around better people. So I was constantly just in my own circle, trying to focus on my own self, being better every day. Mm -hmm. Success was more individualized. It was more, can I make more money? Can I do this? And I think so many people focus too much on that. What can they do just about themselves? Success isn't about yourself. Success is about the impact on others. I really believe that because if you're focused on yourself at the end, you're going to be crossing that finish line alone. There's going to be no one there greeting you. And that's a depressing ending to a life. Right. So, you know, my success has changed. First few years, it was focused on myself. Now it's really into this path of focused on others. Because if you get that, same thing. You focus on impact, the revenue will take care of itself. You focus on others, yourself, you'll be, you'll be good at the end too. Yeah. No, I love it. So I want to piggyback off mm-hmm. of that a little bit. Yep. Uh, in my life, I have three pillars mm-hmm. that are, they're the most important topics in my life. And if I'm doing something under those categories or topics, I know I'm moving forward and growing as a person. Mm-hmm. Do you have those pillars in your life that are just most important more than anything else? Mm-hmm. I don't have pillars. And I think that's great. I think I might, I might steal that from you. But I, I think what I did, which is really interesting, I read a book called Write It Down, Make It Happen. And the importance of writing things down. We talked about it earlier, writing down what you want. And just a few days ago, my birthday, I wrote down a letter to myself a year ahead. So I'm 34 years old. Yep. At 35, I dated at 31319. And I wrote a letter to myself on what my life looks like at 35 years old. And so I defined what my family life. And I shared it with my wife, Emily. And she said, you made me cry again. All right. Which she cries. She's still pregnant right now. She cries all the time. But uh, the reality is I wrote down what it looks like and the changes that I'll make to be focused even more on family. Mm -hmm. Because again, at the end, the family matters most. So um, I have started to change. It has been business, business, business. But now again, starts with self-awareness and perspective. So that letter that I wrote to myself, I would, I would suggest that for a lot of people, write a letter to yourself, write a letter to your kid. Write it, you know, write these letters because when you put it in that perspective, it's really interesting how you change it. So that letter was uh, about three pages long, um, but it's made a great impact. And I still go back to it every couple of days just to make sure I'm following that path. I, I love that letter idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim Ferriss, one of his first mm-hmm. books that he wrote, he was struggling with starting. And the guy suggested write an email and have it be as if you were writing an email to one of your your most important friends. Okay. And write it that way and make it like a letter, make it like an email. Mm -hmm. And from there, you're going to express yourself in the way you want to express yourself. So I love that idea. I didn't know that you did that. That's that's really cool. Well, it's almost a past tense. That's why I did the obituary. You know, I start start from the end and write a letter that way. Because you can say what you want to do, but go back and like you look in that perspective. So, yeah. Yeah. No, perfect. So, ton of things that were in here and I'm I'm really excited about it. (laughs) Uh, anything that we didn't touch on that you want to make sure the, that the listens, listeners or viewers get to take away from this? You know, I, I started talking about, like, I talked about some of the P's and you mentioned about being present. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I think there are five P's that you can have to a better life. And I think it's, it's you got to be present. You got to be patient. I say this, you know, be patient in what you want for yourself, but be impatient in how much you give to others. We talked a little bit about that. You know, I think you got to be passionate. You got to be out, outrageously passionate and you got to be proud. I think you got to celebrate gratitude and be proud of what you're doing. And then you got to have purpose and you put those together. I think you can have a very successful and happy life. It's funny. We talked about all of those yeah. things. Yeah. We just didn't talk about it in that nice 30, yeah. 30 second piece. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. Um, 
Okay, so we're going to obviously put things in the show notes of, mm-hmm. of the book and, and more about your company and things like that and places to find you. But uh, any place specifically you want people to come follow you, listen to you, things like that. You know what I love to do because it actually challenges people. I always say, reach out to me in the sense of, ask me a question. You know, send, send something to me. If anything that comes from this, reach out to me. Uh, you know, best is jesse at uh, findyouryellowtux.com. And, you know, I'm at Yellow Tux Jesse. You search Yellow Tux, you'll, you'll find it. Find your Yellow Tux Jesse. Again, part of branding. There's nothing. You search Yellow Tux Jesse, you'll, you'll find it. Um, reach out. Have questions. I'll, I'll, I'll actually answer because I'm intrigued to help in any way. So that's it. But, you know, LinkedIn, I'm constantly putting videos out there and, and helping anyway. Well, you guys heard that challenge. Reach out to them. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time. Appreciate it, man. All right.